Everybody Googles everything, especially potential customers or employers, and a business or personal online reputation can make or break you. If negative search results or reviews are impacting you, Webamax is here to help. Our proven process restores your online reputation quickly and effectively, and it matters. Don't let negative results control your narrative. Visit GoWebamax.com and fill out a brief confidential form to see how we can help. Remember, if you aren't paying attention to your online reputation, someone else is. GoWebamax.com. Before history is written, it's played. Before it's frozen in time, it's fought one shift at a time. Before it's etched in silver, it's carved in ice. What happens next will last forever. The Stanley Cup Final on ABC and ESPN Plus begins Saturday. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. We took it all. We brought them to our land. An endless night. Ember hot and icy cold. The rage of the earth. We made this curse. Carved it in the blood on our backs. We did not see. We could not, but she did. And in the end... What will I become? Senwa Saga. Hellblade 2. Play it now with Game Pass. The Indianapolis Colts failed to deliver a Christmas present to their fans, falling to the Atlanta Falcons. Was their performance concerning for their playoff chances? And what will the Colts need to do to make the postseason? Let's talk about it. Welcome to the Horseshoe Huddle podcast presented by Fan Nation on SI.com, part of the Fans First Sports Network. My name is Andrew Moore, back from the dead after dealing with an illness on Christmas, and I'm joined here, as always, by my fellow analyst and co-host of the Horseshoe Huddle podcast, Drake Wally. Drake, the Colts looked like they felt as as terrible as I did uh, on Christmas. I mean, just a very disappointing performance out of a team that I wrote about it last week preached all week that they really were honing in trying to get focused on this next opponent didn't want to look ahead and man they did not look sharp really anywhere and it was a very just all around a very disappointing performance but how are you buddy how was your christmas christmas was good got to see the family and they all got to you know just ogle uh aubrey you know because she's a couple months from being due so uh, she was pretty much the center of attention but i will say um i was really hoping that you know wake up Christmas morning and just feel real good, you know, about a Colts victory and holy crap, one of the worst games of the year. It looked a lot like the Bengals game, only I dare say that this one's worse because you were facing a team that really had a lot of weapons. I know that the bank or the uh, Falcons have a lot of weapons, but man, that, that was a team that really didn't have a lot going for them this season because of bad play calls, bad usage with certain offensive pieces. And sometimes the defense was up and down, but boy, oh boy, 
the guy that we had on last week, Scott Kennedy, did say, even though he predicted that the Falcons would not win this game, he said, you have to be ready, though. If they do put it all together, they're the kind of team that if they put that talent together, man, and they and they have everything working, they can really beat you down. And holy cow, they did it with the ground game and Taylor Heineke played fantastic. Yeah, it, it was really just it, I mean, you you could look at all phases and we'll dive into it here tonight, but not not one phase you can really point to and say, OK, they had a really good game. You know, no. all all three phases pretty bad. And and it's a, and I we said this a week, a couple weeks ago that it was a wake up call. This really needs to be the wake up call because you have two games left. Colts have to win both of those games in order to make the postseason. The margin for error is now zero. Truett getting us off to a hot start here on a Wednesday night. Oh. Thank you so much, Truett, for your super chat. Really appreciate all of your support, buddy. He says, hello, men. Great family Christmas. Hope yours was too. Well, mine, I had the flu uh, on Christmas. The wife had the flu. I think she had it worse than I did. My brother, Adam, uh, had COVID. So the more Christmas uh, hasn't even been hasn't even happened yet. Uh, uh hopefully get that done next weekend uh but but true hope your your christmas was fantastic and and thanks for joining us we've got chuko colts coming on and saying 21 repeat incoming uh i don't know about that because chuko remember 2021 colts had aspirations to uh to co really compete and, and make a playoff run this team wasn't even really supposed to be in the playoff hunt. So if even if the Colts do miss out on the postseason, I think it'd be disappointing. But I don't know if it'd be as big of a collapse, certainly, as it was in 2021. But great to see you in the chat. And as others join in here tonight, we want really want to uh, have you guys uh, just let you know how thankful we are for all of you. And, and if you haven't done so, please go follow us on all of our socials like Horseshoe Huddle on Facebook, follow at Colts on FN on X and subscribe to the Horseshoe Huddle YouTube channel. Hit that bell. So, you know, whenever Drake and I are going live, usually every Monday and Thursday night, but with the holidays and, and with me being sick, you never know when we might have to change up the schedule. So make sure you're tuned in. So you never miss an episode. And we're at 1900 subscribers saw on there today, 100 subscribers away from that 2k mark. And we've got two weeks to do it, guys. Really push for your friends, your family, everyone to subscribe so we can reach our goal of 2,000 subscribers before the end of the regular season. If you can't catch us live, Apple, Spotify, Google, wherever you listen to podcasts, we're on there as well. So make sure you subscribe. Give us a five-star review so we can reach other Colts fans just like you. So, Drake, let's dive right into it, buddy. The Colts fall flat to the Falcons, 29-10. to 10. And, and really, I, I saw a bunch of different reactions on the internet from uh don't don't take this too seriously it was just a bad game to did the sky is falling in indianapolis so my first question to you tonight uh my good friend is what was your overall theme or your overall reaction to that game when you're watching on christmas eve what did you feel after watching that performance from the colts man you know at the end of the day i i just i i love what you said earlier uh, so many things that I can say and want to say, but at the end of the day, it was just nobody played well. It just seemed like absolutely no phase. I mean, obviously, certain players played well in their own respective, you know, stat lines, I guess, because we do have a Colts player of the game. We Believe it or not, yes, we each have a Colts player of the game. Um, but overall, I think Shane Steichen put it beautifully in his post-game press conference. He said, you know, we have to look ourselves in the mirror. You know, he's like, we got to, like, basically ask ourselves – what the hell do we want with this season? 
And how are we going to build off of this absolutely brutal loss? Now, I, I again, you're going back to the Jacksonville game earlier, the Bengals game earlier. Those games, okay, fair, all right? You know, they, they got beat badly in, in, in those games. But this one was different because this was a team that was really shaky. They were really falling apart. They were crumbling. And the Colts had an opportunity to just kick this team while they were down. Now, they put it all together, though. And I got to say, probably the worst if I had to say the worst thing that I had to watch in this game was just the blocking, just allowing the pass rush to get to Gardner Minshew. But all in all, like you said, no, no, no real side of the ball played very good. And I think every single player can look at this game and say, holy crap, we got to improve or else we're going to finish, you know, these next two games with two straight losses and then finish the season with three in a row. Yeah. That you, you put it really well there. And, and to me, just to add on to that, really it could be so summed up with with two words poor execution you know every single phase when you talk about the offense you talk about the defense even some special teams portions of it really the special teams didn't have an impact but they did when they get they almost get you know they they had the falcons uh, uh they're at one point kicking a field goal young that young a uh, young way coup missed the field goal and lined up off sides, you know, and yeah. gave, gave the Falcons three, uh, another chance. And they ended up getting three points. Didn't really matter at the end, but it just kind of sums up the whole situation with this Colts team uh, last Sunday, you know, poor execution all the way around offense, uh, uh, not able to run the football. Uh, really no one was able to create anything in, 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 in the passing game defense uh the pass rush was there at times but not often missed tackles after missed tackles after oh. missed tackles uh, uh coverage breakdowns it was just a really really bad game all the way around and i wrote about it uh late sunday night uh and got it posted in a horseshoe huddle christmas morning before i i succumbed to death of, of the stomach flu uh but it was just it was just terrible man i mean shane steichen talked about it we didn't execute uh, uh garter Minshew talked about it we really uh, we really need to to make sure we're not schedule watching you know these young guys think that they're going to have plenty of playoff opportunities you never know when the next one's going to come about and and Shane like you said Drake Shane Stike said we really need to take a hard look in the mirror and and figure out what went wrong and we have an opportunity here with two games remaining to go and seize this we can't let this slip by so just a very disappointing performance from the Colts when you thought I think you might feel a little bit better even if uh 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 the, the Colts might have lost a, a close game to the Atlanta Falcons, but no, they get the doors beat off of them, man. It was just not really competitive. And, and I didn't really feel once the, once the Falcons went up by a couple scores or by, by, by a touchdown, I never really felt that the Colts had a chance to come back in that game. Yeah. And I think that it, it was all, and we'll get into this too, but it was also you boy, oh boy, did you miss Michael Pittman? Um, I think that because you can't get the, the, the passing game going at all, Jonathan Taylor really wasn't very effective. Yeah, he scored a touchdown, but he averaged under 2.5 yards per carry. I mean, Atlanta knew how to stop the Colts here. Nobody else could get open. I mean, Josh Downs, he averaged like six yards per, per catch. I mean, it was just a, a game where they really could have used – Dare I even say it, man, they could have used Zach Moss with Jonathan Taylor and they could have used Michael Pittman big time because it just really showed that there weren't much, you know, there wasn't much to offer the Colts playmaking wise. So the Falcons were able to really capitalize on that. Plus, they got Calais Campbell back. Plus, they got uh, David Onyemata. I mean, these guys really put the hurt on the Colts. And I think that it's it's one of those games where, hey, 
down the road, you can look back on it and say, hey, it might have served us really well because the silver lining is you can learn a lot from a really humiliating loss like that on Christmas Eve when a lot of people are watching you. Exactly. And and let's let's uh, the first part of this game that I want to talk about in the trenches. Drake, we really focused in on that last week about this playoff run for the Colts. And, and we even talked about it on one of our audio only episodes on Horseshoe Huddle Halftime that for the Colts to really make the playoffs and make a run, it's got to be fueled by trench play on the offensive right. line and defensive line. And the Atlanta Falcons simply just dominated the Colts in both of those areas. I mean, look, looking at the offensive line, six sacks allowed, and they were only able to generate 3.7 yards per carry. The defensive line, just one lone sack of Taylor Heineke, and they allowed 5.9 yards per carry on the ground. So when you are getting that beat up in pass protection, I understand Braden Smith wasn't out there, but and Blake, I understand Blake Freeland had a pretty poor game, but it wasn't just Blake Freeland out there that was giving up pressures and allowing uh, defenders to get uh, to Gardner Minshew. And it wasn't just Blake Freeland that that wasn't opening holes for Jonathan Taylor and the running backs. The, the, the offensive line in general played poor. And then as the defensive line, you really have no excuse. You were you had all your men out there, and, and you should have had a better game plan to be able to attack Taylor Heineke. Instead, the Colts got dominated on both sides of the ball and in the trenches, so it's no wonder that they lost by 19 points on Sunday. Yeah, and like you said, I like the fact that you – look, Blake Freeland, he allowed nine pressures. Okay, he allowed seven hurries. I get it. He struggled. This might have been his actual worst game. Okay, I mean, he. I just constantly saw 73 with his arms stretched out trying to chase the guy that just got by him. I'm constantly, mm -hmm. and usually he had his arms on the guy's back as he was smashing Gardner Minshew. By the way, got hit 11 times. That's completely unacceptable. That's not all on Freeland. Bernard Ryman got dominated at times by Calais Campbell, who is apparently – playing like he is back in his prime. This guy has been in the league 16 years. He destroyed both tackles in that game. So um, everyone needs to look at themselves. Every offensive lineman needs to look at themselves and realize that, look, whether it's Freeland or Smith or whoever, Veld here, whoever plays right tackle in the next game, these guys are the cornerstone of the offense, okay? Every offensive line is probably one of the most important, if not the most important part of the offense. If you can't block, you can't run. If you can't block, you can't throw. That means you can't score. Okay. That means the defense is going to start to know what you're going to do. So I, I'm right there with you, man. And, and the defensive line, that's probably, that might be worse because this defense for Atlanta can really bring pressure sometimes. I mean, they've got some pretty talented guys up front, but man, nobody seemed to even be getting the Heineke. This dude was just wheeling and dealing out there. It really makes you wish that Desmond Ritter would have played because they probably could have forced him to do something stupid with the football. But Taylor Heineke, just like he did last year, only more so this year, he put on a clinic, man. He was efficient. He made plays when he needed to. He ran the ball when he needed to. He got out of the pocket well. Give him credit, man. The Colts did not show up in the trenches defensively or offensively in that game, and you have to to win with this team. Second time in two years that Taylor Heineke has looked like a looked like a, a good starting quarterback against right. this Colts defense, and Gus Bradley hasn't been able to to provide an answer to stop him each time. And we'll talk about Gus Bradley and this Colts defense here in a little bit. But let's talk about the quarterback on the Colts side of things, Drake Gardner Minshew. We thought this was going to be a time where if Gardner Minshew kind of just stayed stayed calm and was able to stay smart with the football, maybe avoid Jesse Bates and, and AJ. Terrell a little bit he would have a pretty decent game 
but when you're pressured like he was, there really wasn't an opportunity for for Minshew to really get going. And yes, he had some he had some passes that that I think were were definitely high. He definitely could have did some things better to to help the situation. But overall, when you were under as much pressure as Minshew was, it's going to be a tough game for any quarterback. Twenty of thirty seven for two hundred and one yards. It was like I said before, sacked six times on the day and had that interception to Jesse Bates the third. Talked about Minshew's performance, Drake. What did you see out of number 10? And and really, was there anything that you think he could have done better to, that would have changed the outcome of this game? Man, I really uh, – I, I mean, technically, yes. Okay, every one of these people, every one of these guys could have done something better. But sure. Minshew really did did what he could. Man, I, I mean, he you got to think, 37 pass attempts, 11 hits. Okay, you do the math on that. That's like one out of every three dropbacks, four dropbacks. He's getting cracked in the in, in the pocket. He's getting hit, knocked down, smashed. I mean, he was just getting hit constantly. And so um, that wears on you. It, it really wears on you. You start to feel the pressure when it's not there, and he already has a problem with that. You keep hitting Gardner Minshew, he's going to throw the ball – you know, feeling ghost pressure more than he does typically or more than he, we, we've seen him do, you know, in past games. And so mix in the fact that um, you don't have Michael Pittman. OK, Josh Downs. I get it. He I do believe he'll be a wide receiver one one day. I do believe he's one of the biggest steals of this draft. He is not to the point yet where he can just shoulder a receiving core. OK, he's not. He's a slot receiver right now. OK, and so I, he still led the team in catches, though. So uh, you got to give credit to Minshew where when he found the completions because there was not a lot there. All right. And I give a lot of credit to Will Mallory. I give a lot of credit to Guylan Granson because those two basically shouldered the entire receiving responsibility. They were one and two in receiving yards on the day. So um, I I think that Minshew did what he could. But, man, when you get sacked six times, you get hit 11 times, one out of every three or four dropbacks. What can you possibly expect, especially when Alec Pierce isn't getting open and your skill set doesn't fit? Like everyone was like, well, Pierce, Pierce sucks. Pierce didn't do this correctly. Again, Gardner Minshew's skill sets do not match Alec Pierce's skill sets. Now you're throwing in the fact that the defense gets to focus completely on Alec Pierce as the number one receiver. It wasn't downs. It was Alec Pierce. Man, it just it was a recipe for disaster. And you were just hoping the Colts could do two things, protect Gardner Minshew and run the football offensively. They weren't do, able to do either one of those things. And it just, you got a backup quarterback back there. You can't run, you can't protect him. He's not going to win. And I, I think this is kind of, again, where we come at, where we have to realize the, and be realistic about number one, who Gardner Minshew is. He's a backup quarterback for a reason. Uh, the, he's not a guy that can elevate the team when the rest of the team is down. He's not going to be the one that leads you to a game. Sure. He can keep the offense afloat and keep things on schedule, but if the rest of the team is is playing poorly around him, chances are he's probably going to play poorly as well. And and number two here is you also have to realize his limitations. You know, we've seen this year that that when he's pressured, he's not nearly as as good. And and the more he is pressured, seems like the more he has been the the the, the worse he's played throughout the game. Yes, he had he was accurate on on he was inaccurate. Excuse me on on some of those balls he played. He threw a lot of high balls uh, uh to his receivers but his receivers also didn't do do him any favors either Alex
Alec Pierce had a really crucial drop that I think if the Colts could have sustained that drive, it, it would have been it would have been a possibly a different game or at least kept some pressure on the Atlanta Falcons. But he really didn't receive any of the help, any any uh, much help either. So do I put this loss on Gardner Minshew? I think he had a, 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 a impact on it, and I think he played a role in this loss. But Gardner Minshew was not the main reason that the Colts lost this game. And and, and I, I do think that, that he will bounce back against the Raiders. Granted, the Colts do need to work do a little bit better uh, with some protection issues. Hopefully, Braden Smith is back going up against Max Crosby. That would certainly help. But yeah, Minshew definitely played a part, but wasn't the main reason for this Colts loss. Patrick coming in here with his first super chat of the evening. Thank you so much, buddy, for all of your support. Hope you, you had a fantastic Christmas. Patrick, his grand idea was for me to uh, to broadcast the show live from last night from my bathroom, uh, going through my sickness. Didn't No one wants to see that, Patrick. Nobody wants to see that, but I really appreciate you, buddy. He says, Pittman increased his contract baseline by at least $5 million by doing nothing. Also convinced me they have to draft a wide receiver with the first or second round picks. And, and Drake, we, I, I was going to switch it up to the running game next, but uh, let's talk about these wide receivers before we get to the running game. Sure. The tight end stepped up. I mean, Kylan Granson, I thought, played his normal role. Will Mallory st- stepped in and had, had, some, had some good good plays there. But the wide receivers, man, Pittman goes down. You're expecting big games out of out of Alec Pierce or Josh Downs and and really just nothing. You look at the stats here. Josh Downs, like you said earlier, Drake, he led the team with catches, six catches for only 39 yards, 6.5 yards uh, per catch average. Alec Pierce, three catches for 30 yards uh, out of seven targets. Josh Downs with nine targets. So the targets were there. They just weren't coming up with them. So it, it does beg the question. And I and Patrick, this kind of got me thinking. It's had me kind of thinking uh, all season, but especially when, when Pittman goes out there is not a a guy that you can turn to at least right now josh downs could turn into that but in my opinion you gotta have another go-to wide receiver on the outside doesn't have to be a necessarily a a marvin harrison jr or or a a t uh a a jamar chase whoever a bona fide wide receiver one that's what michael Pittman is there for but you need another weapon to help take pressure off and if Pittman does go down there's still a guy that defenses have to game plan for what do you think drake I I agree and you know you look at um yeah okay Josh Downs he he caught 6 of 9 targets but Alec Pierce um and I've got the man's jersey and I still th- I still think that there is hope for this guy it's just he had 7 targets 3 catches okay now you think all right the whole game plan for the defense for the Atlanta defense is they could just focus on Alec Pierce on the season he's been targeted 60 times and he's caught 31 passes that's not good that's not good. You have 50%, you have a 50% catch efficiency, basically. That's just not good. Last year, 78 targets, 41 catches, uh, see 52%. Okay, so Pierce is literally a downfield threat. That is what Pierce is. I think that's just who he is. I think that he will shore up the route running a little bit here and there, especially as he gets to work with Richardson and Steichen more. But I think Pierce is a downfield threat. He needs uh, uh, you know, that guy. He needs Michael Pittman. And I absolutely agree. I don't know if it's going to be in free agency because they will have some money uh, or if it's going to be in the draft. Um, but, yeah, I think that you definitely showed you need pass catchers. DJ Montgomery. He's done what he could. He he played a great game given the circumstances last week against the Steelers. 
But, you know, he's just a guy that got take, he got brought off the practice squad, man. Okay, this is not a guy that's going to go out there and get you probably even four or five catches. He had two catches for like 46 yards in that game against the Steelers. One mm-hmm. of them he dropped in the end zone, and then he just so happened to catch the next one, which give him credit. But, I mean, holy crap, man. Yes, you need wide receiver help. And it was probably at no point in the season has it been more glaring than this game. Yeah, absolutely. And then this, we'll definitely talk about this a lot in the off season, but you're, this game, I think brought a lot of, a lot of what the Colts need to work on in the off season. Uh, I thought it brought a lot of that to light. You're talking about uh, uh, still shoring up some of the offensive line, especially those depth pieces along the offensive line, getting another weapon on the outside for Anthony Richardson next year uh still you're talking about you need to get more more sure tacklers some some better guys to go up against the run on the inside because even though grover stewart was back 5.9 yards per carry the falcons had uh on sunday so grover stewart wasn't still wasn't able to to help with that so there's definitely a lot of more issues on this team that i think this game helped revealed uh just or just bring bring better to light so patrick thank you so much for your support buddy great comment and and great discussion here let's turn to that running game drake jonathan taylor returned we talked about it we thought that jonathan taylor would have uh be able to to run and have to have some opportunities and after that first drive i even tweeted it out i said you know what jonathan taylor looks nice he looks rested and he was able to break off a couple decent runs get in for that touchdown uh to give the colts the early seven nothing lead uh but then after that all went downhill 18 carries for just 43 yards and that lone touchdown just 2.4 yards per carry for jonathan taylor and and some of that do i put on jonathan taylor probably i think he's i think when you're getting paid as much as jonathan taylor and the expectations of a jonathan taylor when you're one of the supposed to be one of the best backs in the league you have to make some things out of nothing but at the same time it's really hard to 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 make some yardage when you're getting hit at or behind the line of scrimmage like Jonathan Taylor was on a lot of those carries. Yeah, absolutely. And I can see, uh, I think it's a new person that uh, I, I don't think I've seen this name before, but carriage house is, is making good points, but I'll, I, I understand where carriage house is coming from, but like, look, Jonathan Taylor, while the, the blocking did not help him. Okay. And the game plan did not help him. You have no pass catchers down the field. Okay. I don't care who your running back is. If you cannot pass the ball in today's NFL at all. Okay. Even if it's the 49ers. Okay. And if it's Christian freaking McCaffrey, if you only can run the football. Okay. And, and you're struggling um, on the other side of the ball as well with stopping their ground game, man, it just, it makes things way more difficult. But I also do believe and agree with carriage house on some things that, Taylor looked like he ran into certain certain gaps incorrectly. And I mean, it just looked like maybe he had had a little bit of of rust from, you know, you know, I know that he had been up to speed and had just a hand injury, but he didn't play a good game, you know, and uh, going back to your point, you got to try to you got to make something out of nothing. And yes, it is a dollar bill league. Your value is on how much you're getting paid. This guy's getting paid quite a bit of freaking money. And it was a lot of drama to get that money to him. Okay, so I think that this is, again, for Jonathan Taylor, the offensive line, and literally everybody else on that roster, this is a game where you have to look at this and say, this is rock bottom. This is the worst we can play. Ten freaking points. Yeah, you did that against Belichick, but you still won the game. Okay, you played great defensively. So it wasn't the same for this. Not often can you score ten points and win. That's just how bad the Patriots were earlier in the year. So um, I think that Taylor, while he didn't get any blocking, didn't get a lot of help, he could have also played a little bit better and he really didn't show a lot in that game. And 
to, to be fair, neither did really anybody else either. So, right. And yeah. I, I think if the, I think because looking forward to these final two games that the Colts have against the Raiders and against the Texans, if the Colts want to ensure that they make the playoffs, you know, they're going to need Jonathan Taylor to be at his best. You know, he, he's got to be creating four to five yards per carry. And again, that's not all on Jonathan Taylor. A lot of running backs say, you know, the you, the running back is only as good as his offensive line in front of him. So when you give the running back praise, you also have to give the offensive line praise. When when the running back deserves some blame, the offensive line also deserves some blame. They they kind they go hand in hand there. Right. So it, the, right. the the blocking definitely needs to be better. Uh, the Colts definitely need to work on that. But I think Jonathan Taylor and the rest of this group, you know, not just Jonathan Taylor, but you're talking Trey Sermon, Tyler Goodson, Zach Moss, if when he returns potentially this week those guys all have to work in unison i think it'll be it'll be better when you have both jonathan taylor and zach moss in there again that one two punch and and you'll be able to use them a little bit differently to, to not just keep to, to kind of keep things on keep opposing defenses on their toes but yeah at the same time you really need that running game this this colt's offense needs to rely on that running game because you don't have a, a dynamic quarterback back there in Gardner Minshew. Minshew needs all the help that he can get because he cannot carry this team to those victories he's just a part of the offense that can that can will this team to victories we took it all we brought them to our land. An endless night. Ember hot and icy cold. The rage of the earth. We made this curse. Carved it in the blood on our backs. We did not see. We could not, but she did. And in the end... What will I become? Senwa Saga. Hellblade 2. Play it now with Game Pass. Anatomy of an ad subconsciously trigger emotions through music perfect define an opportunity imagine talking to millions of people across the u.s like i am now identify a problem creating an audio ad is time consuming offer a solution utilize cutting edge ai imagine creating all that in under 30 seconds well we did to create this ad to learn more about ai in the audio industry download the white paper from audiostack.ai anatomy of an ad subconsciously trigger emotions through music perfect define an opportunity imagine talking to millions of people across the u.s like i am now identify a problem creating an audio ad is time consuming offer a solution utilize cutting edge ai imagine creating all that in under 30 seconds well we did to create this ad to learn more about ai in the audio industry download the white paper from audiostack.ai anatomy of an ad subconsciously trigger emotions through music perfect define an opportunity imagine talking to millions of people across the u.s like i am now identify a problem creating an audio ad is time consuming offer a solution utilize cutting edge ai imagine creating all that in under 30 seconds well we did to create this ad to learn more about ai in the audio industry download the white paper from audiostack.ai 
So let's switch over to the defensive side of the ball here, Drake. And we got to talk about that running back, number seven, Bijan Robinson. I mean, watching him at Texas and watching what he has done this so far in his rookie season, it's hard to not be impressed uh, because he has been phenomenal. And the Colts saw that up close and personal on Sunday. 122 total yards from the rookie running back, uh, 72 rushing yards. 50 yards receiving, also led the team in catches with seven. And it seemed like every time he touched the ball, the Colts needed not only multiple people to get him down, but multiple chances to get him down because it, the Colts couldn't tackle him on the first try. And, and they, they, it seemed like whenever he touched the ball was in way too much space. And again, that Colts defensive line got dominated and just allowed him to get a full head of seam reaching that second level almost every single time he touched the football. Yeah. And, uh, you know, one of the broadcasters, Mark Schlereth, uh, who actually played uh, NFL, you know, as a guard in the NFL mentioned that, you know, I don't know if there's anybody in the league that's going to have, you know, a, a wonderful chance at tackling Bijan Robinson in the open field one-on-one. I mean, Bijan Robinson is a, he is a highlight reel waiting to happen. Okay. And when you are already struggling with tackling, and then you got this guy in front of you and the momentum is clearly on Atlanta's side, boy, he, he played absolutely out of his mind. He had 12 carries, 72 rushing yards. That's six yards a carry. Then he had seven catches, okay, for 50 receiving yards, 7.1 uh, per catch. So, man, Bajon Robinson was really the tone setter. I think that they used him as the as the as the pacemaker. You know, he really set the tone. He set the the speed of that offense and really the entire game. And so, um, he played absolutely fantastic. And of course, um, t- uh, so did Tyler Algier. You know, both these running backs together put up 210 all-purpose yards. The Falcons had 406 on the day. These two, we said, if you allow, I even put it in my five keys piece. If you allow these two running backs to set the tone, you will not win this game. And they also did it in the receiving game with the John Robinson. So, man, they really did use them as like a jab and a straight. They just freaking hit the Colts in the face all day with both of those running backs. And, um, you know, Algier averaged 7.7 yards a carry and had that long touchdown run. And he's basically like tackling a bowling ball. Reminds me of Maurice Jones-Drew, honestly. So, uh, again, it, it's it's I know it's a passing league, but there's certain offenses that just run, they, they move the ball by running the football. And with Taylor Heineke in there, not a very mobile guy like Desmond Ritter is, they were still able to get it done. And they – I know that you mentioned Grover Stewart. They ran a lot of outside runs too. They ran to the outside a lot and tried to seal that edge. And they just got the Colts a lot of times and they got situations where Bajon Robinson was one-on-one. So I think that credit to the Falcons, man, but you got to play better. And you, I, I, I cannot stress enough the missed tackles that actually might be the most irritating part because that is the number one thing you have to do as a defensive player is tackle the ball carrier first and, and foremost. Yeah, and that's that's kind of where we get here. It's just poor execution all the way around, you know. Missed tackles. Stats Matt said it earlier, 23 missed tackles and that that's what stats show. It's good good pull there. PFF had the Colts at with 23 missed tackles against the Atlanta Falcons. That's that's just that's unac- disgusting. It's unacceptable for a team with that is in the middle of a playoff hunt to be going up to, to 23 missed tackles. Uh, and I understand that, that the Atlanta Falcons have weapons in Robinson, Tyler Algier, Drake London, Kyle Pitts. But you know what? If, if they were doing this to every other team, the Falcons wouldn't be at seven and eight right now. 
you know so the the, the just the 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 missed tackles uh the 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 coverage mishaps Gus Bradley talked about going into the game they had a lot a lot of different uh uh, coverages and a lot of different checks built into the game plan so he didn't think that his defense was was playing as fast as they should have and and you know what I'm sorry Gus Bradley that's on you man that's on you you can't be having that at this late into the season you want your guys to go out there and play free at this point in the season you are what you are as a defense go out there man up play what you're good at have your guys going out there and playing free not trying to to overcomplicate things when you're going up against a guy in taylor heineke taylor heineke i'm sure he's a smart guy he's not tom brady he's not peyton manning Okay, you don't need to be uh, trying to be a chess grandmaster uh, against a guy like Taylor Heineke. Yeah, he's not go, even a starting quarterback. Exactly. Go out there, do what you do well, so your guys can go out and play fast, not constantly be thinking, you know, what are we going to do here? What is, well, if we check to this, what's my responsibility? And and they're, think, they're more thinking than going out there just playing the game of football, especially right. when your head communicator in the secondary, Julian Blackman, goes down. I think that's... That was so crucial when Blackman went down and credit. I mean, this is no slight to Nick Cross. I think Nick Cross has played fantastic this season, but when Julian Blackman went down, I think that's when you really started to see things turn for this defense in a, in a poor way because Julian Blackman is so crucial to the communication aspect of this secondary and of this defense. Uh, of course, the calls come in to Zaire Franklin. He communicates it. Zaire's yelling out those, those communications. But Blackman is the main guy in the secondary that's communicating to those rookie cornerbacks, to uh, 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 Juju Brents and Jalen Jones. He's got Rodney Thomas, who's only a second-year player. Nick Cross is only a second-year player. Julian Blackman and Kenny Moore are those two guys that are the ones out there communicating the most. So when Blackman goes down, it just completely messes things up. You want things to be simple so your guys are playing fast and doing what they're good at. So in my opinion, that falls on Gus Bradley just as much as it falls on the players who didn't go out there and execute the game plan on defense because in my opinion, that was probably the the worst performance I have seen from the Colts defense all season long. Yeah, and look, I I understand that there's been all sorts of up and down about Gus Bradley, you know, but the thing that Gus Bradley, there's two things about Gus Bradley that are just, they're they're very well known. He doesn't bring a lot of pressure, and he really likes to sit back in zone a lot. And I'm telling you, Taylor Heineke, look, I understand he's not a starting quarterback. I understand that he's not the best of the best, okay? He's not even, probably not even a top 32 quarterback. But look, he's a veteran. All right. And he can go out there and he can almost kind of Brett Favre it. He can just be a gunslinger and he can play freely. If you allow pockets to open up and you just sit in zone all day and you're not aggressive, like you said, I love how you said, you know, you are who you are, play freely, match, you know, get your defensive players in a position where their strengths can be maximized. Their potential can be heightened at the, at the, at the highest point. None of that happened. And, and look, I understand that, that uh, Gus Bradley has at times been unfairly criticized and that's true. There's also been times when he hasn't been criticized enough. Uh, I think that this game, he deserves to be criticized and I think he is getting criticized enough. And I think that if Gus Bradley, and I'm just going to come out and say this, if he wants to keep his job, he needs to step up, and he needs to absolutely prove it in these next two games. He needs to go out there and he needs to, I mean, you're playing Aiden O'Connell, dude. Okay. There's a chance you're not playing CJ Stroud. Okay. 
I know that they just beat the Chiefs, but Aiden O'Connell had nine completions for 62 yards. Devontae Adams had a catch for four yards. Okay, if you go out there against the Raiders and Aiden O'Connell drops three tuds on you and over 250 yards and he plays like Taylor Heineke did, boy, oh boy, you can almost seal it that Gus Bradley won't be back. That's my opinion, but um, I I do think there's still a chance. I do, do still believe in Gus Bradley to an extent, and clearly Shane Steichen trusted Gus Bradley. He didn't get rid of him. He kept him here. Um, so, uh, like you said, though, I think that might be the worst defensive performance that Gus Bradley's put on this season, though, without question. And and it's not like Gus Bradley is a lock to be here next year. You know, no. Jane Steichen is evaluating Gus Bradley in this defensive performance. And Wyatt Law, the, the, the voice of reason, many times coming in here with a fantastic tom- comment. want to highlight this. Wyatt says, Steichen will replace Gus this offseason. Accountability applies to his coaching staff as well as players. He'll want a more aggressive defense. So that's why Law's take on it. Uh, I'm not going to go that far and say that it's a foregone conclusion that Gus Bradley will be replaced this offseason by Shane Steichen, but it's certainly a possibility. You know, if this defense continues to fail late in the season, uh, going up against quarterbacks and going up against offenses that this Colts team should be better at and, and should be playing better against, then, then absolutely. You know, it's not like Gus Bradley has built a a world-beating defense with the Indianapolis Colts. Last year, the defense, when you look at it statistically, did not perform well. Yes, they kept the Colts into some games, but again, towards the end of the season, really fell off. The Colts' defense this season, I I understand they have some young pieces in there. Grover Stewart's suspension needs to be taken into account, but at the same time, you're, you're still not producing and, and being that top flight level defense uh, uh, that, 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 that this team will need in order to win a Super Bowl. So That's right. uh, we're, we're going to have to see what happens with all this. I, I definitely don't think Gus Bradley is a lock, nor would this deep is this entire defensive staff a lock uh, to be back. The one guy that I would probably say to keep is Nate Ollie because I think Nate Ollie is a superstar oh, in the making. Awesome. Hell, Nate Ollie may even get a look at defensive coordinator if Gus Bradley and the rest of the staff uh, are gone uh, but we'll just have to see kind of what happens the, the point the what's at hand though and what the Colts are focusing on these next two games against the Las Vegas Raiders and against the Houston Texans both at home Drake like you mentioned the, the, the Raiders are coming off a really big win against the Kansas City Chiefs that could be what coming to kind of maybe they're they're starting to do starting to get a little bit uh hype on themselves could this Colts game, they're thinking, okay, we just beat the Chiefs. We can easily take on the Colts. Could be a potential letdown. Rather, the Colts are are beaten down, and they know that they really have to beat the Raiders in order to keep their season alive. And then, obviously, we'll talk about Houston in a couple weeks. But in my opinion, there's there's no more margin for error, Drake. Both of these are must-win games, and, and there's really the Colts can't lose either one of these if they want any hope at reaching the postseason. Yeah, and um, look, the, the the real one that you need to focus on is this next one because they did just they did they did just kind of. I mean, I know it was twenty to fourteen, but you know, you you pick six Patrick Mahomes. It's not often that that happens, man. And so I think this is a defense that's playing very inspired. Uh, is it Antonio uh, Pierce? That uh, who who is the Antonio Pierce is the uh, the the interim? head coach of the Raiders? Yes. Yeah. Okay. So this man is, is clearly done something in 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 place of josh mcdaniels give that man a lot of credit because that was a complete moron of a coach that he had to step in and had to reinstill uh life into the raiders and they are playing 
incredibly sound defensive football. So I, th I think that uh, that and the Texans, man, yes, if you lose one of these games, you can pretty much count the playoffs out. Um, there is still a chance that if they win out, they still don't make the playoffs. So uh, you basically have to win out. And now I think that after losing that uh, Falcons game, if I'm not mistaken, are they out of control of their playoff positioning? Like even if they win both games, aren't they still, isn't there still a chance that they still have to have a couple teams, one or two lose, or are they still in You're talking in about the Raiders? Yeah. Well, I'm talking about the Colts. Like if they win both games, isn't there still a chance that they don't get into the playoffs? Aren't they out of control of their own destiny at this point? The, the, if the Colts win both of those games, they, they'll be in the playoffs. You okay. know, there's okay. a very slight chance. And I think it would have it would end up being deep down within the tiebreakers. But basically, Colts win out. They will be playing uh, uh, the first week of the playoffs. Very fair. Well, you know what? At the end of the day, uh, I, I I think that you just really got to go out there. You got to play inspired and you got to get after Aiden O'Connell. In my opinion, two things are the most glaring weakness out of this game. There's a lot, right? But they're both defensively. The pass rush was not there. And you also just have to make tackles. You have to tackle an open field. You have to tackle an open space one-on-one. -on -one. There's going to be offensive coaches that are going to get you in one-on-one -on -one situations with their offensive players, their best offensive players. So you got to make tackles, and, and you just cannot let that happen again in this game, especially at home. You can't, you can't lay a dud at home. You might have done it at Atlanta. You can give them a pass on that one now at this point, but you can't do this at home. Exactly. Time to put the Atlanta loss behind them, but learn right. from it. Gardner Minshew said it this week, learn from it and, and make sure that it doesn't happen again, because if they, if they mess up within these last two games, it's going to be very hard for them to reach the postseason. Even though expectations started out that they, they possibly, at least from a fan base perspective, probably wouldn't make the postseason. It would still be pretty disappointing at this point if they didn't reach the playoffs considering how they have played uh, pretty much the, the rest of the season, even with Anthony Richardson going down in week five. So Drake, let's look at the Colts injury report census Wednesday. We have a little better outlook on, on some guys here, uh, but from, from Sunday, Michael Pittman jr. Obviously missed the game, a clear concussion protocol, then went back into the protocol started uh, to uh, he self-reported more symptoms coming back on Saturday evening. So honestly for him, kudos to him for doing that but it looks like as Shane Steichen has said he's progressing uh well through the protocol was a limited participant in the walkthrough today so you hope that he's back against the Raiders and you hope that once he clears protocol this time that those symptoms do not come back yeah and hey with the way the way the Raiders have been playing defensively boy you really want Michael Pittman because uh the Falcons have not been playing as hot defensively as the Raiders. I know that Jesse Bates went out there and got a sixth interception of the season. Um, but look, man, yeah, you definitely want Michael Pittman back for that contest. <laughs> Yeah, exactly. Look at Braden Smith also missed with a knee injury th for the third week in a row, but good news on that front. He returned to practice today for the Indianapolis Colts was a full participant in the walkthrough. So as long as things continue to progress as they are, Braden Smith looks like he could be back on Sunday against the Raiders. Zach Moss missed again with that forearm injury, was limited today, so we'll see how that turns out. Jack Anderson also missed Sunday's game uh, with Sagoon Alubi. Uh, for, for Alubi, it was a hip 
Anderson. It was an illness. And then this one hurts, Drake. Safety Julian Blackman went down during the game against the Falcons with a shoulder injury and was placed on injured reserve, uh, meaning he will miss the rest of the regular season. James Boyd of The Athletic did report that if the Colts do make the postseason, there is a chance Blackman does return. Uh, So it doesn't seem like it is a a long-term injury of sorts. Uh, But still, this one hurts because Blackman was in the midst of a career year. I just got done talking about how great of a communicator he is in the back end for this Colts secondary. And it's going to be interesting to see Nick Cross now jumps into that starting role, how this Colts defense kind of adjusts to not having Julian Blackman out there who has been essential to, to this defensive success of this team. Yeah. And Hey, you know, he's going to finish uh, 2023's regular season anyway, 15 games, right? All starts now, 88 tackles, career high, five tackles for loss, career high, eight passes defended, career high, four interceptions, career high. Okay. This guy was playing out of his freaking mind. Those four interceptions were a team lead. Mm -hmm. Okay. So boy, oh boy, Nick Cross, this is your opportunity, dude. Okay. And Julian Blackman, dare I say it, I'm sure he's going to be resigned. Okay. I think that they're thinking long term that they want that trio. They want, I mean, Rodney Thomas, I know that he's kind of like been up and down, but man, I think at the at the end of the day, they want they want Nick Cross. The idea is Nick Cross and Julian Blackman. And maybe maybe Rodney Thomas II kind of floats around, but boy, oh boy, Nick Cross, here you go, man. You've wanted this opportunity. You've shown some, you've shown some sparks this season. Here you go, man. You got two games to show it. Yeah, this is his opportunity, you know, because I fully expect Julian Blackman to be back in a Colts uniform next year. Yeah, I really yeah. do. I think the Colts are going to crazy. A, if they're going to place a high priority on signing Julian Blackman. And, and this is why, and I want to make this clear for you guys. We're, we're obviously going to dive into to the offseason ad nauseum when the time comes and free agency and everything like that. The Colts are going to have a lot of cap space, but a lot of that cap space is going to be eaten up by them re-signing their own guys because you think of Michael Pittman is going to get paid. Grover Stewart is going to get paid. Kenny Moore likely back on a contract extension that's not going to be cheap. They're going to want to keep Julian Blackman. Those four guys right there are going to take up a considerable amount of the cap space that they have available. So you, you also got to think, are they going to re-sign Gardner Minshew? Uh, is Zach Moss a possibility? So instead of the Colts, you might think they're going to go out and sign these big free agents. A lot of it's probably going to be to try to keep those guys, uh, especially those top four that I mentioned, Pittman, Stewart, Moore, and Blackman, trying to keep those four guys in the building. So, But yeah, Drake, you nailed it right on the head. This is Nick Cross's opportunity to go shine, and it could lead to a starting opportunity next season as, as he enters his third year. Uh, let's, talk to, let's talk about the latest Colts news and rumors here real quick, Drake. So in order to fill Blackman's spot on the 53-man roster, the Colts added some safety depth, bringing back safety Henry Black uh, from the Pittsburgh Steelers practice squad, signed him to the 53-man roster, and in uh, uh, 25 games, uh, he, he hasn't really played in an NFL game since 2021, but he's got 46 tackles, an interception, two forced fumbles with the Green Bay Packers over a two-year span, bringing in that safety depth, and, and Henry Black can also play some special teams as well. Yeah. And Hey, I know that a lot of these signings, you know, they're very like, you just got, who's that type of thing. But number one, he's played with the Colts before. And in 2021, he played in 
all 17 games for the Green Bay Packers. So, I mean, he's he's seen the field. He's done a couple things. He's 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 been there, done there type of thing. And he's kind of been, like you said, on special teams and defense. So he brings experience. And I think that it's just really shoring up that depth because, look, like you said, Julian Blackman's loss, God, that's huge. That That's a massive loss, and you really can't replace it. You can only do the best you can. And I think that this is honestly the best move they could have made. I think so too. So obviously it's going to be a huge loss for Blackman. We'll see if Nick Cross can, can, uh, uh, can, really show what he's got in that role but rodney thomas the second in that free day, free safety spot he's also got to step it up he has not right. played very well this year that's why nick cross has been getting more opportunities in place of rodney thomas now it's going to be cross and thomas pretty much until blackman comes back so thomas has to step his game up otherwise you could see defensives targeting him a lot more uh with that deep passing game so our final segment of the night you guys know the drill colts player of the game and Drake, I'll be honest, I might have been in a fog dealing with my sickness, uh, but hey, it was tough to try to pick a Colts player of the game because everybody was pretty much hot garbage uh, against this uh, against this uh, Atlanta Falcons team. But I'm going to let you go first, buddy. Who is your Colts player of the game from Sunday? Yeah, you talk about any good to find, man. I wrote my three good, three bad. I was over here going, I got my three, I got my seven bad, and I got to shift out. I got to shift out three of them. How the hell am I going to find any good? I'm kidding. I'm kidding. There's always good, even in a even in a brutal defeat. I'm going to go with EJ Speed. All right, I'm going to go with EJ Speed. EJ Speed had 13 tackles. He had a tackle for loss. He had two passes defended. He played all over the field. He was everywhere. He played decent in coverage. Okay. I mean, he did what he could have. Um, and I think that he stood out. Zaire had 12 tackles as well. So those linebackers played about as well as they could. Um, and he also did well in the run game. I just don't think that they ran the ball to his side often. I think they tried to keep it away from him. They tried to keep it away from Stewart too. So uh, give EJ Speed a lot of credit. I think this might have even been his best career performance. And it got overshadowed by a brutal defeat. So. Yeah, I, I think that's a that's a good pick. Let's look at the chat. We've got uh, some Will Mallory love, Drake. We all know that you love some Will Mallory. Wyatt Law going with Mil I Will love Mallory. Uh, Chaz also going with Mallory. Had a great snag. Uh, so Will Mallory getting some love there. And then Stats Matt going with the punter, Rigoberto Sanchez. <laughs> Punters are people too. He got used a lot and seems to be back to close to what he was pre-injury. Really like that pick, uh, stats, Matt, because I thought I thought for all the work that Sanchez got on Sunday, he did a pretty good job punting that he football did. away. So I was gonna go with Quiddy Pay originally. He got the sack to move to eight and a half, and it was the sack that got the Colts uh the franchise record, uh the indie franchise record for sacks in the season. But I'm gonna go with the offensive side of the ball, a guy that I kind of give some grief sometimes, definitely gave grief for not getting his first touchdown. I'm gonna give it to Kylan Granson because I think Kylan Granson did step up uh, on the offensive side of the ball tried to do what he could uh, five catches for 62 yards uh, for the offense and and I thought that that he tried to give the offense some life unfortunately it wasn't enough so for me Kylan Granson is my player of the game EJ Speed is Drake's we got some Will Mallory and Rigoberto Sanchez's honorable mentions in there as well but Drake Ultimately, the sky isn't falling for the Indianapolis Colts because while they lost the Atlanta Falcons, the Jaguars got mollywhopped by the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. Oh. And the same can be said about the Houston Texans going up against the Cleveland Browns. So despite the loss, there is still 
a tie atop the AFC South standings at eight and seven. Trevor Lawrence dealing with another injury, now a sprained AC joint. Ever heard of it to his throwing shoulder? Something Never Anthony Richardson, something Anthony Richardson knows too well. Not nearly as severe as Anthony Richardson, but uh, now it seems like Trevor Lawrence is dealing with three separate injuries. Kind of sounds like Andrew Luck. So Trevor Lawrence better be careful there. They go to play the Panthers, which obviously isn't as 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 difficult as a matchup. So we'll see if Lawrence does play there. C.J. Stroud is expected back this week, going up against the Tennessee Titans and the Colts with Gardner Minshew going up against the Las Vegas Raiders on Sunday, all New Year's Eve games. Going to be gonna be uh, fun to watch. So they're not out of it, but the Colts cannot have any more games like what happened on Sunday if they want to keep their playoff hopes alive. Yeah, and look, I think Patrick, Patrick Rye said it perfectly, okay? There have been times where they've gotten lucky, okay? The things have kind of fallen in the way that the Colts need because they go out there and they lay a massive egg. Well, guess what? I know the Titans are out of it too. They lost too. The AFC South lost every single one of their games, okay? So, uh, you know, I, I know that 20, 2012 Joe Flacco, I mean 2023 Joe Flacco is out there, uh, you know, wheeling and dealing like I never thought would happen. But, man, the AFC is still open. The four, five, six, and 7 seed – are still up for grabs, and, and then you've got the eight, nine, ten, and eleven. Those th- those teams are still in it too. So it's just it's it's crazy that there's two games left and it's still wide open. But man, the Colts, like Gardner Mitchell said, don't schedule look. Focus on the Raiders because right now they're coming off of a very huge, momentous victory over the Kansas City Chiefs, and they did it in dramatic fashion, picking Mahomes off for six points. Don't take Aiden O'Connell lightly. Get after him break the rookie, and get yourself a win at home. Get back on track. That's all they need to do. Go out there and win. As Shane Steichen said today, we control our own destiny. And that's our show for today, guys. Really appreciate everybody tuning in on a Wednesday. No, it was a little later in the week, and I appreciate all the well wishes on X and everything uh, to get me back to health. And and thanks to Drake for being so flexible so we could still get an episode talking about this loss out to you guys. Uh, Shout out to Truett and Patrick for the super chats this evening. Really appreciate all of your support and everyone else that joined in into a lively chat, uh, to say the least, tonight. Uh, Hopefully (laughs) hopefully we're we're keeping cool heads i am still monitoring that thing so make sure you're nice to one another but really appreciate everyone's support as we talk colts football uh as well and again if you haven't done so please go follow us on all of our socials like horseshoe huddle on facebook follow at colts on fn on x and subscribe to the horseshoe huddle youtube channel hit that bell so you know whenever drake and i are going live whenever shod goes live with the saddle up show so you never miss an episode and if you can't catch us live or on youtube apple spot Spotify, Google, wherever you listen to podcasts, we're on there as well. So make sure you subscribe. Give us a five-star review so we can reach other Colts fans just like you. No need to be sorry, Chaz, or stats, Matt. Uh, yeah, you guys no. are you guys are just passionate about the That's team. Right. And, and you guys have more than proven that you're respectful when, when commenting with other Colts fans or or fans uh, or, or non-fans, whatever you want to call it. So uh, you guys keep it up. Re- really enjoy that you guys are both in here every single night to support us. So, Drake, I know you've been writing away on HorseshoeHuddle.com, so go tell the people what you've written so they can go check it out on the site. Yeah, so I broke down uh, kind of what happened with Julian Blackman. Then I had my three good, three bad, and the Colts has lost to the Falcons. But I'll also be releasing uh, some some uh, a former player uh, named Shaq Leonard's comments on the uh, potential comments on the Colts, I guess, if you want to put it that way. And then, of course, I'm going to do my five keys to defeating 
the Raiders and getting a Colts victory, getting them back on track. Make sure you go check those out. For me, I did write a piece after the game talking about what Shane Steichen and Gardner Minshew had to say about the loss to the Falcons, what they attributed it to, and it was pretty eye-opening what they had to say. So not only them, but some of the other leaders on the team, such as DeForest Buckner, Sire Franklin, they both chimed in. So make sure you read that to see what this Colts team really thought about that loss. And then tomorrow I've got a piece coming out about what Shane Steichen's message to the team this week has been and what what he is focusing in on going up against a suddenly very dangerous Las Vegas Raiders team as the Colts play the Raiders on on New Year's Eve this Sunday. Go follow Drake at D Walster Drake. You can follow me at Andrew Moore NFL and we'll be back tomorrow night. Thursday night for our normally scheduled episode as we get you all set and preview the keys to victory for the Colts against the Raiders at Lucas Oil Stadium. So make sure to be back here 7 o'clock Eastern tomorrow night for more Colts football. So enjoy your evening, Colts fans, and we'll see you tomorrow night.